Hutton Orbital Radio. We dealt it, you smelt it. an orbital radio. This is not the station you're looking for. A lone figure stands on the gantry outside the studio, looking through the doorway. Hello? He says. Is, is anyone there? But other than the echo of his own voice, no one is there. It, it is Thursday, right? He says to himself. And, and this is the studio. I was only gone for a week. They can't have cancelled the show. I've rushed back specially for it. He looks around a little at the empty room. The only thing left is designating it as the radio studio is the old on-air light, which isn't lit. And, in fact, is broken. Just as he turns to leave, he hears a noise from a nearby room which causes him to panic a little. Our mics, other than for those that are uh, saying mics are off, albeit I can see that mics are on, um, are probably live. Hmm. Good evening, good evening, and... Uh, welcome to well, what what appears to be a very quiet Studio Six at Hutton Orbital. Now I can see <clears throat> that sound is going out. Uh, the wibbly wobbly things, are wibbly wobbling up and down and up and down. Um, so can those listening before we carry on just um, tell us, or somebody in the studio if they can put their other ear in, um, tell us whether any sound is actually coming out of this thing to the radio show? Maybe, possibly. I can hear it. Thunderbolts and lightning. I can hear. Oh, the tired Navy says we're fine. Well, I think it must be um, uh, Vulcarius. There we go. <clears throat> so, oh, we're going to start again. This was a audience-induced seam, not a studio-induced seam. Anyway, good evening, good evening, and welcome again to Studio 6 at Hutton Orbital. It's time for the news. Hang on, hang on. Lily told me we were in Studio 6, but I'm in Studio 5. I was just there and it, it's gone. Last week's show is what happened to Studio 5. Talking of last week's show, is it gone? What, the show? No, I, I think he means, you know, the imposter. Oh, don't you worry about that. Dusty's been packed up and sent back to Van Manen's star in a box. Actually, lots of boxes. Small boxes. Really small boxes. 
Imposter? You're just going to have to listen back to last week's show to find out. In the meantime, it's this week. And without any dusty interference, here are the headlines. Sticky Winks Galactic Championship, upstaged by Starlet. Wotherspin heads for the rear. Too hot, too messy, week 80 update. It's a disaster. Hungry, hungry space hippos gobbled graveyard, a Hutton exclusive. We speculate yet again about the new ships. The BGS. It's a really long one this week. As is only right and proper when there's news of natural disasters, political intrigue, an ongoing war against a powerful alien race, and of course, most probably some new form of alien life discovered somewhere in the galaxy, it's only right that Hutton Orbital News starts with the subject that's on everyone's lips. Yes, the Sticky Winks Bowl, the final of which was last weekend. After a hectic season left only two teams in the running for the top spot in the league and a series of rather fantastically convenient draws, the final match of the season was played out between these two stalwarts of the Sticky Winks arena. Normally, of course, you mention Sticky Winks and the top winkers that play for the teams. Yes, contracts change hands for billions of dollars. And unless the person you're talking to knows their spudger from their squidger and their squap from a boondock, you'll get a very blank look. It was all brought into the limelight recently after Imperial pop sensation Haberdasher Fast, famous for galactic best-selling songs such as the upbeat Empire pop hit Stitch in Time brackets Saves Nine Worlds brackets, and her balladic Warp Speed Weaver, started dating one of the best sticky winkers in the galaxy. Purported to have been dating him for a number of months, at this year's final she brought her entourage, including mum, stylist, and spare stylist in case the stylist wasn't capturing this season's style, and of course, a ghostwriter, to the VIP box at the tournament. It definitely looked like she'd been boning up on the rules of Sticky Winks, as game, a game as far evolved from Tiddlywinks as the modern frameshift drive is from a good old-fashioned Bolton and Watts steam engine. And yes, it is designed to be played in zero-g. The purpose of your game is to get your sticky wink to flip off the wall of the arena using your spudger and into one of the many cups stuck around the arena. Your sticky wink is indeed sticky, magnetically sticky, so get it just right and you can cup your spudge sticky wink in a single blitz. Of course, your opposition are at liberty to try and squamp your sticky wink and gazump you in that cup, whereupon you're welcome to boondock your next sticky wink to unstick their sticky wink and take a double. The player with the most tiddlies at the end of a stick-off is declared the winner, and of course you automatically lose if you have an eye taken out by a flying spudge sticky wink, as it's near impossible to win with only one eye open. Anyway, 
Now that's as clear as the spherical arena in which it's played. In the final match, the Quantum Winkers played off against the Saskatchewan Squidgers for the honour of being the tiddliest sticky winkers in the galaxy. And all eyes were on star winker Cosmo Flickstar. Well, they would have been if his new girlfriend wasn't in the stands, which she was, which meant no one was watching. But at the end of the tiddle-off, he toddled off with the most tiddlies, the trophy and, of course, the girl. Who, by extreme coincidence, put tickets for her next galactic tour on sale an hour after the match finished. I have no idea what that was all about. So instead, let's get some real news. Coming up later coming up later in the show, we've got an in-depth analysis by Commander Witherspoon about the situation in Rhea. No, we're not reporting on the Rhea itself, but a funny thing happened to Wotherspoon on the way to the Rhea area. Commander Wotherspoon, Galactic News Digest Digester and all-round incisive news hound, ably assisted by the ever-talented artistic and vocal talents of Beetlejuice, came a little unstuck while preparing this week's Galnet News Digest. It turns out that doing the research on Rhea can lead to some unintended consequences when preparing the visuals and working and wording for the show. Firstly, pulling up his Universal Cartographics Encyclopedia and using, as he does, as he's got a great voice, voice searching, he asks for a location for Rhea. A wall opened, a torch popped out and put, a cor- put crosshairs exactly where you suspect it might have. He then castigated the system and suggested that the Rhea he was looking for had an H in it, whereby it called up a holographic projection of the solar system with a really big arrow pointing at Saturn and the number 5 in Roman numerals. Switching from voice control to manual data entry, he was able to requery his galactic database, skip over the references to the mother of Zeus and instead get it to plot a route over to the home of President-elect Winters. President-elect Winters. With Beetlejuice unable to accompany them and submitting her content via Gal Mail this week, he pinged off a quick message simply saying, Gonteria, back soon, need pictures. What Beetlejuice drew was stunning, but wholly inappropriate as emu lookalikes and natural disasters don't really make for good bedfellows, or indeed for the subject of high-end galactic art. What was, sorry, was a really good piece of art, oh, was a, <laughs> was a really good piece of art though. Anyway, you understand the confusion that naming of the naming of the place aside, Wotherspoon has grasped the problem in Rhea with both hands and is subjecting it to detailed investigation for this very show. Week 80 of Too Hot, Too Messy finally saw Commanders pass 120,000 deliveries. And for the stats nerds, we think that is about 30% of what we think might possibly be out there. Numbers were up again last week and for the first time in a month we delivered more than a thousand deliveries in a week. This still leaves us with a four week average of just under 900, which is trending upward for the first time in a month also. Ask yourself a question. When did you last deliver a mug? Hutton is an expansion, which means that gin production should be 21 units, although this has not been confirmed. 
Things are picking up. There were three hut and runs this week, which is lucky because we were running low on curly whirlies, crit sticks and bingo books. One more week and we might not have had made it. Deadmeat GF did 1 hour 24 minutes 6 seconds. Steve King 1 hour 26 minutes 1 second. And number 7 1 hour 31 minutes 55 seconds. Following up news of the disaster in Rear from earlier, and later in the show, we've got a natural disaster of a slightly smaller scale over in Hutton Space. And though we don't mean King Hanky, he's had enough disasters in the last few weeks to have earned the week off. We've had reports that Ben Greener Astrophysics Expedition over in Narenses, the local outpost of the Green Party of Samini, has signalled a major local alert and asked for all ships in the vicinity to send assistance. Ben Greener, based on the ice world of Narenses 3C, a planet with not much to speak about, no atmosphere, no warmth, definitely no seismic activity, is the perfect place for an astrophysics lab. Uncluttered views of the sky, nothing between you looking up and up, other than the more up. It was when investigating the signals from as far back as around 300,000 years after the Big Bang that the Samenians spotted something quite disconcerting. In fact, quite a lot of things that were disconcerting. Things that weren't in the background. They were in the foreground. Sort of rocky, icy things. The kind of rocky, icy things that weren't passing across their field of vision, but were taking up more and more of it every second. Sounding an alert and climbing into their waiting science adder, all science needs adders, can't do science without a little adder on hand. Turning the shield up to OMG incoming meteor storm, and sitting there listening to the meteors pinging off the hull in the shields, praying to whatever deity the Green Party of Samini Saminians pray to, and none of them were larger that none of them were larger than a Type 9, the Samenians emerged from their adder to find a scene of utter devastation. The Zero G wheelie bin had taken a direct hit. The solar panels looked like Swiss cheese and there was an enormous rock embedded in the top of the building next to the radio telescope. They've sent an appeal to everyone in the area to assist as they can't get into their difficult maths problems or their weird wibbly background radiation maps without clearing the debris out of the way. Whether the pilots are in their bronzite chondrite or their pe- Pisces cobbles or partial to the odds, odd mesociderite, there are plenty to be found in the area for topping up your mining materials. Oh, and if you could bring some emergency shelters, a new coffee machine, and a packet of hobnobs for the scientists, please, they'd be very grateful. The Teon Isla Ship Graveyard. Fabled orbital resting place of ships from long ago. Picked over by scavengers, hunted by pirate ships, and the go-to place if you want to get rid of a hot ship quick with no questions asked. In recent years, the question has been, but where did it go? We've speculated on this before. Maybe it was there. Maybe it was just not marked on any maps. Maybe it was never there and just a fable from old spacers with nothing better to do than sip their space rum and tell tall tales. Recent investigations have turned up a new theory though. 
eager students from the University of Tionisla, one of the older established universities outside Seoul, have submitted a paper for their final year thesis that turns up some rather interesting facts. They've been cross-referencing ship travel log data against possible known locations for the shipyard and managed to find a 12-year-old log which might be at the heart of discovering what happened to the ship graveyard. All those aging cobras, the venerable boa, rarities like the moray starboat and the gecko. It appears that around 12 years ago, a space dredger clan ship passed through the Tianisla system. It didn't communicate with any ships or stations in the area, as is normal for dredger clans, but it did pause in system for a couple of weeks before moving on. By studying gravitational fields in the area and a number of rocks, students have determined that around the time of its departure, the total mass of the system dropped by a few million tons, and the gravitational weight caused by the movement of the dredger had a pronounced effect as it left the system and passed very close to a local moon's rings, an effect that was far bigger than the one it caused when it arrived. Did space dredgers hungry hippo the entire ship graveyard? Was the gaping maw of their behemoth swallowed ships whole? While there's no direct proof that there's a giant space barge laden with rarities chundering its way in a line away from Tion Isla, what scant evidence they've uncovered is enough to convince us. There are those that scoff at these claims, not least of which the Tianisla Tourist Board, who rely on passing treasure hunter traffic for a good chunk of their revenue. A new set of treasure hunters have now set out. Restorationists, determined to find the dredger and using the laser equivalent of a big tin opener, politely request that the dredgers spill their guts and give back all the rarities that they've swallowed. For now, with no further information on the Dredger clan, the behemoth has simply been labelled the Hungry Hungry Hippo. We've reported in previous weeks about the near fever pitch excitement over new ships in the galaxy, and more than a little speculation about what they might be, what purpose they'd serve, and whether any of them is a Panther Clipper LX. But our investigative team drew a complete blank about what, other than the Python Mark II, is coming. So instead we sent them to the library to look up ships of the galaxy that no longer exist. As reported just one article ago, the obvious choice of go look in the Tionisla ship graveyard there's bound to be one there, not being a viable choice anymore, they've instead had to use a little bit of detective work, some creative thinking, and more than a little sketchbook squiggling to bring us some possibilities. First, a question from the Galactic Forums from a few years back, 3307 we think, whatever happened to the Lacon Type 8? With the 6 being a go-to basic hauler for those wanting to do some heavy-duty trading on a budget, the 7 being Bertha the Big-Foreheaded Hauling Beast, and the 9 being the Venerable Space Cow, with Variant 10 being the Big Horny Angry Space Cow, it begs the question, why isn't there an 8? And could that be one of the ships coming soon? It appears that the Lacon Type 8 was designed to be the largest cargo-hauling ship possible to land on a medium pad. The problem? It was based on the Lacon MC-15 transporter. Loads of cargo space, but no frameshift drive. 
Capable of only travelling 0.1 light years before needing to be refuelled, it was about as useful as a chocolate teapot on a warm day. Okay. It was great at getting things to orbit. But that's it. Couldn't even travel as far as Hutton. Then, of course, there's the Gecko, the original go-to single-seater pirate ship. A bit of pew-pew for the piratical types. As other ships in the galaxy got bigger, tougher, and could defend themselves better against space pirates, the Gecko found itself outclassed and outgunned, with pirates switching to more accessible ships, and those that didn't scream, are quite as hard as the Gecko, a victim of its own success. The Moray Starboat, with pilots cut off from landing on atmospheric worlds, or at least those with anything more than a tenuous atmosphere, it fell out of favour. Why spend all that money on a spaceship that can be a submarine when you can't actually use it to go fishing? Here at Hutton we love to see a little more variety. The docking controller spends his or her day going Python, 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 Crate, Cobra, Muppet and an Anaconda. And just occasionally they'd like something more interesting. Things are going through somewhat of a so that's what you get for forgetting Valentine's Day vibe in Hutton Space this week. A new record of nine systems. Nine, nine systems are on Albin's report. And we have three systems where things have gone a bit. <laughs> More on those stories coming up. For the fifth week in a row, Ross 671 has held its ground, which appears to be 29, and fended off all comers to maintain its permagrip on the wooden spoon. Due to two wars, only 10% of system influence is up for grabs, and with an outbreak pending, things are looking set for it to defend its unbeaten run of apathy for a further week. Somewhere that we hadn't heard from in a while, Trepping has suffered somewhat of a plummet to 32, losing half of its influence in a month at the hands of the CIA, or player faction collective of independent agents, who challenges to an election for control of the system. Hutton are currently 2-0 up, so head over Trepping and lend a hand to Commander Hankey, who has temporarily lost the use of one of his, uh, to complete Hutton's collection of every starboard in the system. In addition, Hutton have suffered an infrastructure failure, so ship in water purifiers and power generators to the large pads in Rukovishnikov hub and Menzies inheritance and make a tidy profit. Another infrequent visitor to the report is Narnia, which fell five points in the week to 34. There's no particular threat, but each of the other factions have seen a rise at our expense. Bumbling along and enjoying yet another in a long series of public holidays is perhaps one reason that Barnard's star never seems to do so well. This holiday seems to be in celebration of a one-point rise to 35. Still, they do better than the other six factions, with four civil unrests, a civil war, a pair of infrastructure failures not adding any meaningful support to a pair of substantial busts. Hard to move Epsilon Indy gained two points to end the week on 36. Not much is happening there, so now head right over and improve Hutton's fortunes a little more. We haven't seen Stein 2051 since November, but a steady decline since Christmas sees this system putting in an appearance on 37. 
Wolf 1481 and Hill are keeping each other company on 38. And just peeking its nose over the line by the tenth of one point is LP525-39. But hey, when you have a record of nine systems on the naughty step, each one counts, right? 36 Ofiyuki and Wise 0855-0714 are suffering from infrastructure failures, so once you have sorted out Trepin's woes, head over there with any extras to really catch in. The fever in George's pants has subsided and the drought in Wolf 359 has been slaked. At the overachieving end of the Hutton systems table, we have just two systems above 60%, and we are in the final throes of expanding. Priorities this week are, if you want to truck something, boost Narenses, win the election in Trepin, and fix the infrastructure failures in Trepin, WISE 0855-0714, and 36 Ofiyuki. And we're back. Phew. Can everyone hear us? No, I don't Can't know. Hear Can they hear us? Hello out there in If you in can't hear land. us, you've just missed up. it. Yeah, if you can't hear us, you've just missed it. There we go. Well, they must be listening to something. They, they, were, they were commenting. Uh, was somebody else commenting no sound as well? That was uh, Ed Hunter. Well, it must be, it must be not, not at broadcast end. It must be at receiving end. Because, I see. Uh, Navy uh, can hear us. said it was Twitch being Twitch. So. Ah, right. Twitch being Twitch. All oh, right, FNARP. Um, I, IT Navy can hear us, so it's all fine. Exactly. Hello, hello, everybody. Right, it's us. We're we're, we're back. I, I noticed that uh, the retired Navy is still living in 2023. Retired Navy. Retired Navy. Time for a new patch. Right. Um, <coughs> well, I'm joined in the studio by the full team this evening. Um, Litho, they let you escape. Hello. They did. Do you have to dig it's a tunnel? Early. What, from Germany? Yeah. Like tie handkerchiefs together or something. That, that was the easy bit. I had to dress as a nun to get through the airport. You have to dress up as a wooden horse or anything. You didn't have to dress as a nun. <laughs> no, that, that, was, that was purely optional and just for fun. Um, well, they, they let you escape. That's good. And um, we've got Amelia. Amelia? Hello. There were rumours from station security that a, um, a snowy Bengal <clears throat> had been prowling the corridors, knocking things <laughs> off. Yes, she's been a little bit of a nightmare lately. Uh, well, I suppose Bengals will be Bengals. This is true. Yes. Um, we have Commander Flossie. Hello. Hel- hello, Flossie. That was a lovely picture of you in the wrong way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> was, it, was it one of your rare date nights? It was last night in the pub, that's all. <laughs> oh, right, okay. One of your regular date nights then. Yeah. Regular right. Well, you were both yeah. very, very happy. That was very nice. And Apology Officer. Yes. Unseasonably warm up in North Britain at the moment? It is. It's unseasonably warm. It would be unseasonably warm for the, the summer up here. Um, it was 11 degrees today. That's summer kilt weather. How yeah. many degrees? Mini kilt weather. 11. <laughs> short, 11. Short 11. 11. 11. Sorry, 50, how many is 52. that? 52. How many is that in American? <laughs> Bananas? We measure 52. it in banana equivalent temperature. Yeah, anything except metric. Uh, yeah, 52, I think it is in America. Uh, so, yeah. No, and Joe it's, Biden's 81. There's more of that tomorrow, and it's going to be dry. 
What? Not raining in Glasgow will wonders never cease. Yes. That's global warming for you. Global, global something. Anyway, and we've got Commander Chicks, who is back from West Britain, and he's yeah. back in the smoke, back in the metropolis. Metropolis. Um, I just want to. I just want to check me. Did you fall off your chair just now? Apologies. Me? I, I, me? I, no. We had a notification that you'd fallen off. I had fallen off, and then I fell back on again. Right. I don't know what was going I was, on. I was, I was just checking. <laughs> I just thought maybe Mr. Dusty had escaped from wherever you sent Mr. Dusty. Mr. Dusty, 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 Mr. Dusty was doing something from afar. There was a strange noise, and then a. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Give me your trash. Yes. Um, but so yeah, well, I think we're all here. Did I say hi to everybody there? I think I did. Did I forget anybody? No, maybe no, no, I didn't. Well, no. okay. No, sweet. So, uh, not knowing what date today's date is, um, um, the Frontier live stream. Well, it's the day after Valentine's Day. They're, they're yeah. mythical, aren't they? Valentine's. Mythical? No, no, well, they're only no, mythical. No, myth no, 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 no. Well, um, the last one. Frontier live stream is last Wednesday of the month, I believe. Yes. And there's a Wednesday next week, yeah. so it's not that one. Well. We've got another show. This is Wednesday the... most weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's another... it's going to be two Wednesdays time, the day before the Green Room show. Oh, exactly. On yeah. the 400th yes. of February or whatever it is. Which will be just mm. after update 18. Are we, are we on 18? Is, is, is that confirmed now? Uh, no, but they haven't unconfirmed it. No, no, yeah. well, they, they said it was February, and I suppose yes. <clears throat> well, they said it was February 26th. Oh, right. And this is basically when, when Valkarius does flex and beats the Thargoids single-handedly. They're just going to... I think they're just going to unleash Valkarius. Yeah. But yeah. the we'll take it's on Monday, off. so it's two days after that you'll get the live stream, and then on the 29th, it us. Could Valkarius... Vulcarius teach Hanky how to play single-handedly because uh, <laughs> yes, Hanky, with Mr. one hand Hanky. tied behind their back. Yes, Mister Hanky is well. He's done your thing, hasn't he? He's uh, yeah. He's same as we himself. reported last week. He he, he tried to leap yeah, a chessboard on a high G world and and snapped himself. Yes, he's he's got mm. a broken wrist. So yeah, but he says it won't soon. stop him celebrating his birthday. Oh. Very good. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, okay, no Frontier live streams, so and nothing much to talk about there, and no other hints and tips other than wild speculation on our part going on in the galaxy. Basically, it's more anti-Thargoid grind, and a, maybe a bit of news from Flossie later about stuff to do. I want a T9 tow truck variant, just a big crane on the back and a winch stuck to the front of it. And like a, like a soiled teddy bear on the front grill. So, yeah, soiled yeah. teddy bear and, and an orange flashing light on the top. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I do believe that we, we we're putting Flossie through a scrambler later so that Tharg doesn't listen in. Mm. No other hints than oh, that yeah. one. But we're putting you <laughs> we're putting you in the in the audio blender. Um, just so so it's you. We will hear you, and the audience will hear you. But any Thargoids listening, yeah. there's there's some code hidden in there that'll it'll garble it completely and we're put it in, in. I don't know a good Wolfrunian accent poacher. or something. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah, you're going in, yeah, yeah. You're going in the poacher. Uh, okay. So other than that, oh, badoing, there was a message coming in. It says, get on with it, space news. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, I suppose I'd better get on with it for some space news. So here we go.
one of those you're never quite sure if it's finished and you <laughs> you're allowed mm. to talk over the fade. Yeah, and I know see this one. I think they have a lot of pop-ups on this one. So, but I'm, should I pop it up? Well, it's not. It's a isn't it a NASA link? This one. So it could be. Have. Here we go. Yes. Uh, yes, I, I did oh, there really we go. pick something with no pop-ups. Look at that. Um, it's yeah. marvellous, isn't it? So, what's this one about? This is about a vintage spacecraft. Ooh, so, Viger. Hang on, this is one you can actually go visit. There's a, there's, you can definitely go see this one, can't you? You can. You can. It's in game. Um, mm -hmm. I, I never have. I did. I did attempt it once, and I, I just couldn't follow the instructions anyway, so I gave up. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just reading Volcaris's comment. Uh, comment about AX. Um. I've been to it in game, and I can't remember if it's that one or Voyager Two. But you look, and the panel is smudged, so that it does read. There's like a smudge of soot or something on the panel, so that it reads <laughs> Voyager. It was because Ooh. of the, the Star Trek reference. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the yeah. the the you know alien robots to come along and modify it to be this yeah. big gas cloud, and then we all have to go back what, in time Guardians? and say humpback whales. I thought you meant uh, the the. Image of the the naked people on the side was smudged, so it's, 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 so it's no, it's, it's no, no, no. You can no, you can, see all their, you can see all their dangly bits. Um, no, yeah, it was the... sending unsolicited dick pics since the early seventies. Well, well yes. unfortunately, it's it, you can, it, it obviously it's a physical thing with information on it, but it's not sending any information back anymore, and hasn't been for a while. Mm. Um, so it's. As a spacecraft, it's it's slowly failing, and yeah. it's as it's, it's got the golden record. It does have the golden record. Um, yeah. does, does that get it into the chocolate factory? <laughs> oh, that's, that's a ticket. <laughs> it, I always mm. thought that was a stupid idea. Putting all of our details, you know, and and oh, by the way, here's where you can come and, and annihilate us. Yeah. Well, this is, is our address. If if they're close <laughs> enough, if they're, if they're close enough to this thing to actually. Get it as a postcard, common killers. Yeah. They'll have been listening to well, crap yeah. like this for a start. Um, yeah, pill it, yeah, for the last 120 years. So, uh, yeah, because we've been telling where we are at the speed of light for the last 120 years. Mm. But well, anyway, they might, they might get the idea that if you want to see more dicks and boobies, then you go to here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Whoa>, boobies! <laughs> so, it's one of those, sounds about right. It's yeah. funny, it's, it's one of those stories where you think, oh, no, it's going to die, it needs to go on forever. But the thing is, it, it, by 2036, it's out of range of the deep uh, sky network, deep space network anyway. It's already mm. gone on forever. <laughs> well, well, I know it's, it might as well have been forever, given how far it is. Because it's out of energy. I'm willing to guess that this spacecraft was launched, God, be careful here, after two of the radio crew were before two of the radio crew were born. I'm going to take a wild punt on that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair, probably fair to about guess. right. Well, so apparently it started just getting in a loop and broadcasting one zero one zero one zero one zero one zero. It's playing punk. Yes. It was, bought, it was launched after I was born. Was it It takes 22 hours. Launched. September yeah. 77, yeah. Yeah, I was at school by then. You were? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, and of course, we're not going to get Amelia to reveal her age, so we're. we're, we're well, it takes it takes twenty two hours for the signal to get to us. Mm. Um, so they they they're trying to do some stuff remotely, like reboot it. You know, control out, delete, 
Control, Alt, Delete. But of course, every time they push it, they've got to wait for 22 hours. And you know what people are like with Control, Alt, Delete? If it doesn't do it straight away, they push it again and again and again, and then everything goes haywire. But they apparently just pull the plug out. And... Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're trying that remotely. But what they're doing is trying to model it locally to see what might happen if they control out delete again before it's Have finished they tried the turning one. it off and on again? Well, I think that's exactly what the article says. Um, so uh, what it says is... Um, here we go. After ruling out other possibilities, the Voyager team determined the source of the issue is the FDS. This past weekend, they oh, tried the to res FDS. restart the FDS. So yes, yeah. they are trying it's, to turn it's it It's the FDS off. that's screwed up the data that the TMU is sending back. Because when one of the things about this, they they keep shutting over the years. They've shut bits of it down. Do you remember um, Pale Blue Dot? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Apart from being the title of Carl Sagan's book, it's it was the sort of family portrait of the planets of the solar system, and the, the one of Earth obviously became known as a Pale Blue. When did they take that? It was about 1990, wasn't it? Immediately mm. after that picture was taken, they turned all the cameras off. In fact, they went further than turning the cameras off they actually removed the camera software from the spacecraft because they were like well we're not going to take any more pictures because this has all been all about trying to minimize the amount of power the thing uses and they reckon that somewhere in the next 10 years it would have run out of power anyway it's got three um rtgs uh so this this sucker's nuclear yeah it is mm. um so it's going to run out of power anyway, and then by 2036, it's going to be out of range because it just doesn't broadcast on, on enough power in Volcarius. This is right up Volcarius' street. Um, so nothing's forever, but it will go on as this cold, lifeless postcard to space. In fact, it's headed off to uh, in the region of 36 off Yuki. So if you oh, see it in, That's why it's taking so long then. Yeah, it's the longest supercruise ever. Yeah, well, you know, the second longest. This was launched before the internet existed. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was launched the same year I was born. Was yeah. it existed or was it black? Oh, no, it was in black and white for a while, wasn't it? <laughs> Me and Flossie know that. Semaphore. Yeah. But I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's sort of a sad but a charming story at the same time. And as part of the sort of trying to investigate this, you can imagine how archaic the... Uh, the the electronics must be so it's a case well why don't we just go and ask the guy who programmed it and they go ah oh. because he's dead because he's yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> and they don't go into length in that and the nasa article but other articles do yeah. and if you um, ever watch a program about voyager and even to some extent things like Cini, um and a lot of people who develop these um are no longer with us you know or they've as you watch them as they pick up bits of the story you know, they're, they're sort of young, eager university graduates, and then they've got kids, and then they've got grey hair, and then they're, you know, a memory. So it's yeah. quite... Brings it home, this sort of yeah. human... I know with, I know with the likes of Cassini, they were, of, saying, they were saying with Cassini, a lot of people, that was their whole career. That was yeah, what you did, yeah. you know? I mean, Carolyn Porco, who, who was basically chief of imaging on Cassini, cut her teeth on imaging on Voyager. Yeah. Um... It's still working today. She, I saw her at the Amersmith Apollo a couple of years ago and doing a doing a Brian Cox show. Um, uh, one one who did work on Cassini that, that that we do know was um, Eileen Perez, who does uh, uh, some stuff with HCS. She's the voice yeah. of uh, one of the HCS voice packs. Is one of the uh, Cassini scientists, and she doesn't age, not one day ever. 
<clears throat> is she a no, she's she's not a cyborg android what's the difference robot no but it's, um it's, did, she did, she, like... did she did she gather up all the trash when she's at the studio yeah. Well, one of one of the, the the most fascinating people I've spent as of hours talking to. We actually didn't do any work. We just talked space for about three hours. And then, oh no, we're supposed to be doing a voice pack, and um, hmm. then then realised we just geeked out about space. Yeah, right down to the Galaxopedia that's in there and the stars and planets stuff. Uh, we sent her the script and she took it away and rewrote it. <laughs> so so uh, her content's actually unique because it's been written by um, yes one of the Cassini uh, Cassini scientists. To be to be accurate, hmm. so I think a cyborg is a human with technological components. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and okay. uh, an android is a computer with biological components. Uh, like no, chips. no, it's just no. About the shape. Yeah, an android is meant to simulate a human. Android, a I think I went to school it's with a, yeah, it's a robot that that pretends to be a human or can pretends simulate. To yeah, simulates humans. Mm. As I was reading the story, I, I I spent far too long on it, and of course I looked at all kinds of other stuff. And if you think about the four spacecraft, sort of the four deep space spacecraft, not including New Horizons because that's more recent. Um, and I'm like, well, where did they all go? And if you if you think of a think of a clock face in your head, um, Pioneer Ten and Pioneer Eleven basically go in opposite directions. So they were the two that preceded Voyages One and Two. So imagine in your head Pioneer Ten going off to three o'clock and Pioneer Eleven going off to nine o'clock, but up a little bit. And then Voyager heads off at Voyager One. Um, heads off at about 10 o'clock and up and Voyager 2 sort of comes out and heads down to 7 o'clock. You get an idea in your head like where these four things are and a New Horizons went off pretty much to 8 o'clock. So. Which, yeah. which one was the one that took the pictures of Saturn's moons? Well, Voyager 2, but Cassini did it more recently. Yes. Cassini was the yes mm. the, the the really good pictures yeah Cassini was the one that they planted into Saturn in the end to yeah. stop contamination of uh, any of the Saturnian moons yeah they, they didn't want to mess up uh, any of the ones that might potentially in possibly harbour Enceladus, Enceladus yeah. yeah yeah but yeah. Um, I think as well it, it was that kind of thing that Voyager did so much more than they expected yes you know there was a lot of things where they they sent Voyager two off. Um, and because of the way they'd done Voyager 2, they were then able to do what they were told they couldn't do, which was to, to send Voyager by uh, Neptune and Uranus and get pictures there. Pictures back of Uranus? Yeah, again. You've done it yeah. again, haven't you? Yeah, we're back on area again. Um, but this, you and know, they messed they were up able the colours. They were able to <laughs> yes. do things like that, yeah, and then they messed up the colours and painted it the wrong colour. Um, a, imagine the long-term maths like, required to do that, though. I mean, the yeah. given that you can't drive it around like we can with our spaceships very well, easily, yeah. yeah. The, the long-term up. maths involved it, in getting it yeah, right is. It found things like the Kuiper Belt and all that that people didn't know existed. But Voyager One's uh, thrusters were fired up. Um, not recently. I'm talking quite a few years ago. But they decided they were going to turn it on. On its axis to get get the aerial to point a little bit closer to you know align it with Earth a bit better let's say, and 
fired up fine, no problem whatsoever. And then they shut it down, and it's been shut down ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, but, talk, uh, you're talking minor adjustments here, not sort of well, let's drive it to up Uranus. I mean, to Uranus. Yeah, yeah. Just, just going but, back I mean, to, to the to give you some perspective, that the light for the sun takes eight and a half minutes to get here. Yeah, and the same the radio signal traveling at the same speed takes twenty two hours to get to mm. Voyager. So that. Here, that gives you an example of the distance. If 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 you're ever still faster than the Royal Mail, I wouldn't want to walk it. But if you're ever down in Kent and you've got a spare afternoon, in fact, it's it's a place called Otford, a little village in Kent. Their Millennium Project um, was to build a model of the solar system in the village on um, at midnight on New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety. You know, so basically the first second of the new millennium. They built a full-size model of the uh, solar system in the village, and you can simulate that. You can walk from the sun because it's it's on a on a sort of plinth on a on a column in the middle of the sports field, and you can go and walk to Earth in. You can probably run it in in uh, eight and a half seconds. Yeah. And you think, wow, light you know, traveling at the speed of light. It just sort of gives you and you go and you can go and see Pluto, which is like the bus stop on the outside of the village. It's it's <laughs> quite it's quite good. It's yeah, it's that's worth quite a good idea. And you can there's there a railway station there, you can jump off the train and go and see it. But going yeah. back to Saturn, uh, destination Titan, there's a is it was a documentary made about the Cassini Huygens mission. Yeah. And it followed the team that basically won the contract, if you like, from a University of Kent or a university in Kent, it might have been Canterbury or somewhere. And they built the little Huygens probe, which basically would fit on, you know, the table that I'm sitting at right now. In fact, there's a there's a model of it, a full size model in the Science Museum. Um, and a friend of mine was the was the cameraman on it, and uh, it it sort of comes up in conversation every now and again, and we have a good chit chat about his time making Destination Titan. Look it up on YouTube; it's great. Mm. Anyway, talking of looking things up, um, the second of our articles this evening. Hmm. Ooh, here we go. Boom! This was, this was go. today. This, um, mm-hmm. this one happened earlier. Oh, there's a play button. Shall I hit the play button? Yeah, hit the play Ooh. button. Is it? Three, two, oh, yeah. one, ignition, and liftoff. Go SpaceX, go IM-1, and the Odysseus lunar lander. Where he's holding his nose. There you go, it was gone whoosh. It's going for Yeah, it's making a lot of noise. successfully lifted off from pad 39a at kennedy space center carrying the im1 payload stage you know, separation confirmed i know some people complain that what they're complaining about the noise and things like that but i don't think i'd ever get tired of that no i wouldn't ever get tired of it need one boost back startup oh there goes there you go oh look at that look at that mm. and there stage you can two, see on your left hand screen the the landing burn has begun. Let's watch as Falcon things. 9. Here we go. Let's watch as Falcon 9 touches down for landing. I love that we have to split screen because both bits are still busy doing things. Yeah. There it goes. There Three, it goes. There, yeah. But anyway. Just, do you know that the strangest thing was watching when two of them landed side by side? 
simultaneously. It was as if they'd reversed the film, honestly. It was yeah. bizarre. So what's the, what's this mission all about then? They've so blasted this, something up. What's gone so, up? So the reason this is space news, this is the first, or if it makes it successfully, this will be the first um, private space mission to land on the moon. To soft land on the moon. Yeah, yeah unless it's yes, face plants. exactly. Um, so if, if, if the spacecraft Odysseus's mission is successful, its owner, Intuitive Machines, will make history as the first private company to land on the moon, as all previous landings have been carried out by national space agencies. It's also going to be America's first soft landing in 50-something years. <laughs> yes. Um, now, NASA have paid intuitive machines for this it was 120 million dollars or something but it's the start of cheaper than apollo yes yeah well much cheaper but all you one one of the cool things about this i read was just as it's about to land it baths out a camera which will film the landing i thought well that's 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 clever um Mm. always with an eye to the uh uh, people will just look at that and call it fake, though. It's a colourful word to choose, barf. Well, that's fine, but don't forget... <laughs> it could be a colourful thing to do. <laughs> don't forget... Well, it could, it could defecate... a rainbow! <laughs> with, the, uh, with the internet, with all the information at people's dis- disposal, um, there are still idiots out there. I mean, some some Egyptian proved that the Earth was round at about 3,500 BC. So mm-hmm. if some Egyptian can do it 5,000 years ago and you, with all the information at your disposal, at your fingertips, you'd rather watch cat videos than actually realise that you're on a massive ball yeah, of rock that Egyptian, space. That Egyptian did have the use was of he, the royal pacers. Every Stothnanese, I can never remember his name. I don't know. He had the use of the royal pacers, though. Who could pace, they could walk at a a standard pace. Well, he paid somebody to, yeah, he did. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so, I mean, other than sort of spitting out a camera, does it have a scientific purpose? Uh, Yeah, it's got um, more, uh, I don't want to stick, a a retro-reflector array, it's called. So a bit like the Apollo um, OLSEP packages. Which reflect laser beams back to uh, back to Earth. It's got that. That's how they know the the moon's gradually drifting away from us. Slowly, yeah, eventually. Yeah, very very slowly. Yeah. Our uh, our day will become forty eight hours long as the moon moves further and further out. Anyway, well, um, that's there you go. Look, I'm showing it again just because I turn the sound off, but I'm showing it again. Whoosh! Look at that. We love space rockets. I had no idea when the mm. when, when's the next big SpaceX with a with the thingy stuck on top of it going up. Have they got sign off for that yet? I think those thingies are called humans. No, I mean with the big <laughs> no, the, 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 the big not. the big rocket with the space spaceship. Oh, the Artemis stuff. Yeah. No, no, no. The uh, the spaceship, starship, the uh, starship, space, spaceship. Starship you know, one. Yeah, starship. The same one. kind of name confusion as we had with starship one and spaceship one in the Galnet articles years ago. Yeah, you know yeah. the uh, the number one. I've thing. not heard any upcoming dates for it, but uh, quite soon probably. And nobody's quite sure what they're going to do on the mission either. There's um, there's rumours that they're going to send up one ship and do an in space refueling, transfer of cryogenic fuel from it to itself. 
which has also never been done before. Oh, see, that would yeah, be quite Yeah, because cool. why would you? <laughs> that's just... Okay, that's showing off now. Uh, they've got to get there first. I mean, they didn't quite get well, there last th- time, did they? they? They need to do the cryogenic fuel transfer before they can move on to the uh, lunar lander that they're working on. Which is if... It's it's hard enough, and they've just chosen to choose a method that makes it so much harder. It's just... I don't understand. Anyway, right. Is that well, it for Space News for this week? What do I know? Uh, Looks like it. Okay, hang on. Run VT. When you don't know where to get more space news, 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 space news. So do we have a word of the week? We do have a word of the week. And the word of the week this week is absquatulate. And what does that mean? It means to leave abruptly, to flee. And can you use it in a sentence, please? I can indeed. When Gusto saw what he'd done in Cubicle 3, he decided to absquatulate rather than face the consequences from Floor Mopping Guy. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, it does uh, absquatulate. The I just liked it because it, the word squat in it, you know. <laughs> and for those who are interested, the spelling and the meaning are on the headline now. Yeah, to leave abruptly, to that. flee. Sort of what we do at the end of the show when we desperately yes. need to, to go to Cubicle 3. Yes, it definitely does sound like something he did in Cubicle 3, though, doesn't it? Yeah, a bit of absquatulation. So, let's just raise the tone a bit. <coughs> what do you call an anteater who studies the past? Are you sure oh, this I is raising this one. the tone? I know this one. This, this is Jeff's sister. It's Beth. Beth. No, it's not. Not Beth. She does. No. She does. No. She studies the past. She's she's always watching reruns of Neighbours. All right. Is it Alan? It's not Alan, no. You know it's not Alan. Yeah, it, was a, it was a long shot. An antique yeah, who Alan studies the past anything. is called an archaeologist. <sighs> there you go. Aardvark! Mr. Dusty has been listening. <laughs> and that's what he thinks of that pun. An Ardva archaeologist. Oh, yeah. That does look cool, actually. He's <laughs> <laughs> good, doesn't it? He's got a load of... Yeah, you can get... Mr. That's Dust, quite Mr. a neat Dusty hole Bob. as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's very neat. Yeah. I, I mean, the skeleton is kind of sticking up out of the ground as <laughs> well. He's the little skeleton to one yeah. side. and. Oh, there's another Ardvark at the back of him, look. Yeah, that's That Steve. one's in the nuddy. <laughs> there's a couple of them. There's a couple, yeah. Yeah. What is that swing thing the, in the back there? Yeah, the, the, the old like, in the background uh, got confused. Mm. He thought he, they were looking for a naturist when they were actually after a naturalist. I don't know if it's maybe. <laughs> I don't know if it's maybe a, an easel or something. I, I, it's a, it's an archaeological science piece of kit. There you go. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very, very so sciencey. We don't understand it. Yeah, that's, it's, I think Amelia was right. Team. Yeah, the GFS team. Looks, it looks like somebody's just had a picnic and eaten one of those things at the back and then buried the remains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suppose reverse archaeology, you're burying I'm looking to see, I can't, I can't see his packed lunch anywhere, but I'm having a wee look. That's the, yeah. the box it's, to his it's left. It's actually a crime scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. CSI aardvark. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Right, and, and on, on that aardvark, you know, uh, Flossie, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Oh, I have no idea which tune's going to play. As you know, it's a random one. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, here we go. Who is this superhero? Jex? Nope. Mia, the apology officer? No way, man. Helen, the mild-mannered CG publisher? Could be. here with this week's CG news. Uh, there were no CGs last week, so nothing to report. This week we have two new CGs. The appeal for anti-Titan weapon materials and protect deliveries to YZ City. Deliveries are urgently needed to begin manufacturing a new weapon capable of causing severe damage to Thargoid Titans. Aegis has asked for shipments of neofabric insulation, iron distributors and energy grid assemblies to be delivered to Clement Orbital in the YZ SETI system. The initiative is being managed by YZ SETI Blue Galactic & Co, which also aims to protect deliveries by redeeming bounty vouchers on all wanted ships. Professor Ishmael Palin has been leading on the project using theories developed by Ramtar. He just released an official statement on all news feeds. <coughs> we can now reveal the results of Ramtar's experiments into Guardian relics. These ancient objects were crystalline superconductors that relayed data across the Guardian's information networks. His theory was that their transformation into unclassified relics at Thargoid surface sites was caused by an inbuilt defence mechanism, which could perhaps be weaponised. Ramtar discovered that exposure to certain electromagnetic, electromagnetic frequencies caused Guardian relics to open and activate clusters of microscopic nanites. These react aggressively against Thargoid biotechnology by disrupting it on the molecular level. Mostly, most significantly, tests prove that these nanites are unaffected by the anti-Guardian field generated within maelstroms. Professor Palin, aided by Aegis technicians, has used Guardian hybrid engineering to construct a soft warhead that delivers a nanite payload. The torpedo is armoured using organic compounds from the Thargoid spire sites to prevent anti-Guardian fields affecting it in flight. Our strategics believe that these weapons could all affect the Titan's heat regulation systems, causing internal damage and eventually even total destruction. Mass production of the Guardian Nanite Torpedo and its launcher module has begun, but further supplies are needed to construct enough for simultaneous attacks against all eight Thargoid motherships. 
As an additional incentive, modules will be offered to qualifying participants. These rewards are cumulative. Top 75% of contributors will receive a 4D hull reinforcement package and the top 50% of contributors a 5D hull reinforcement package and Ramtar high capacity heat sink launcher. The campaign begins today, the 15th of February, and will run for 11 days. That's an extra four days. If the final target is met earlier than planned, the campaign will end immediately. To earn rewards, you must sign up as an active participant before delivering neofabric insulation, iron distributors and energy grid assemblies or handing in bounty vouchers to Clement Orbital in the YZ SETI system. Only bounty vouchers handing in after signing up will count towards your personal contribution total. The bounty vouchers must have been awarded by either the system's controlling faction or the major faction aligned with the system controller. And that's it for this week's CG News. Blasi told you what to do. And now it's time to go over to oh 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 somebody's actually written something. This is Nana's fire via nerf darts. What next? I know, I'll introduce Beetlejuice and Wellerspin with the Galnet News Digest. Probably. Galnet News Digest, 15th of February, 3310. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, President Winter's family fall victim to the Rhea earthquake. And Aegis develops a torpedo-launched version of the Proteus Wave. President-elect Felicia Winters has rushed back to her adopted home system of Rhea following several major earthquakes, leading commentators to suggest that the peaceful transfer of power may be delayed even further. The population of Rhea 3 woke to a series of earthquakes across the northern continent with unconfirmed reports of chasms opening in the crust of the planet and many hundreds of buildings toppling. Tsunamis resulting from the shock waves and from a settling in the seabed has affected coastal regions in the continent and adjacent landmasses. From space, some of the resulting storm systems can clearly be seen. Federal Liberal Command, the governing faction, has declared an emergency and with the assistance of other factions and Safeguard Interstellar is establishing rescue camps. Rhea 3's twin planet, for Scythe is being used as a staging point, as is Ito Orbital. The damage is severe, and it may be some weeks before the death toll and the number of citizens displaced becomes clear, but it is likely to run into the millions. Contact has been lost with members of President-elect Winter's family who have been living in New Greenacre. Winters has rushed back to the system, both to supervise the humanitarian effort and to organise the search for her missing family members. President Hudson has not made any comment on the tragedy, but if, 
As some have speculated, Winters remains preoccupied by the humanitarian demands in her home system. Then he may benefit from an extension of his time in office. He had been due to hand over the levers of power this week, but it seems that Winters, who was briefly the acting president in 3301, after the disappearance of Starship One, may end up waiting till June, a year after the election should have been held, before she can finally become the president in her own right. Aegis has announced that it's ready to start manufacturing the weapon that will defeat the Thargoid Titans. And it's revealed information about the mysterious unknown relics. In a press release, Aegis explained that they intend to make use of the nanites found within unclassified relics to force the Titans to overheat. Guardian relics, which can be harvested from various ruins belonging to the ancient civilization, are intricate crystalline computers formed into a super network that share data near instantly across Guardian sites. They have a defence mechanism built into them when exposed to the electromagnetic frequencies emitted by Thargoids, for example when the relics are plugged into Thargoid devices in the manner originally suggested by Commander Stephen Usher, they activate the nanites that form part of their structure, turning the relic green. These nanites serve to disrupt Thargoid biotechnology and are thus hugely destructive to Thargoid ships and devices. The conclusion, then, is that the unclassified relics have not been taken over or subverted by the Thargoids. In fact, they remain fully Guardian, and are attacking the Thargoid mechanisms they come into contact with. They're immune to the anti-Guardian defence mechanisms that the Thargoids use in HIP-22460 and in the Maelstrom systems. Aegis is using the Guardian nanite technology to build what it describes as soft warheads, delivered by a torpedo that's shielded from Thargoid disruption by the organic compounds recently collected from spire sites. The warhead will bury itself in the skin of the Titan, and the action of the nanites will disrupt the Titan's heat regulators, leading to the Titan's overheating catastrophically. Aegis's plan is to attack all eight Titans simultaneously using vast numbers of these nanite torpedoes. It's put out an appeal for manufacturing components to be urgently delivered to Clement Orbital in YZ SETI to allow sufficient torpedoes to be readied. With that initiative concluding on the 22nd of February, it seems possible that Aegis's self-imposed deadline of Monday the 26th of February for the assault on the Titans may be achieved. There's been some discussion in the liberal press about the similarities between causing the Titans to overheat and explode and the use of a mycoid virus to destroy a hive ship. Or more recently, the use of the Proteus Wave, which also used Guardian relics to attempt to wipe out all Thargoids in HIP-22460. Is the use of nanite torpedoes any more acceptable? And are we sure that the Thargoids won't, as they have previously, return in a new and more destructive form. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.
Thank you, as always, to Commanders Beetlejude and Wotherspoon for their incisive, incisive digestion of all of the news of the week. And now, on the subject of digesting things, although possibly not this time, over to Amelia Hawke, reporting on a rare. You are about to listen to Amelia Hawke. She tries all the galaxy's most dangerous rare items, so you don't have to. Sometimes in my hunt for the rarest things in the galaxy, I come across tall tales. The kinds of stories that hairy old bearded spacers tell, accompanied by dusty old computer tablets with X marks the spot written on them. This week, it's one of those tales that has excited me. I was handed a rather tattered old copy of The Dark Wheel, and while a lot of the information in there has proven to be true, or partially, or, or may be true, many people miss the interesting things like hidden between the flashbang parts of the story. Was there a Jameson? Yes. Are there Cobra Mark Threes? Yes. An Iron Ass? Uh, colloquially, I believe so. Are there Thargoids in it? Probably. So, in amongst all these little truths are a few nuggets, and it's one of those nuggets that I've gone hunting for this week. I'll read you the, the section. One second. Um, hang on. Um, no, not the Vargorn Mind Silk, nor the Gold Flake Scales of Geratian Reptiles. I mean, it's here somewhere. Uh, nope, those are Shanna's Gilk furs. <laughs> totally illegal these days. Ah, here we go. It's from an entry by Liz Ryder's great, great, uh, many times great grandparent. As for the curiosity market, there were 200 fossilized dino thaxorian uh, life bones on offer at 40 credits each. Ever heard of them? Alicia asked. Alex said, I've seen one, and heard one, in a museum on my homeworld. They sing. They're over 40 million years old, and still they sing, waiting for something, a hatching, or a change of climate. They're bones from the pelvic region, so they could be incubation pods. Nobody knows. Are they valuable? Very. Exactly by how much, I don't know. Dironothaxorian life bones. Now, that sounds like something I should investigate. First things first. I searched the libraries, exobiological records, and just about anything I could find for mention of these. I mean, at the time, even accounting for inflation, there were only 40 credits each. Okay, adjusted for inflation over that number of years, and, um, well, probably a lot. So, I've been going station to station, slipping a few credits here, a nod and a wink there, 
speaking to storytellers and collectors and antiquarians throughout the galaxy, has anyone seen a Dironothaxorian lifebone? As luck would have it, there are a few tales of them existing in private collections, but no, I wasn't allowed to see them. One rather senior Imperial family even has one in baby's bedroom, where they use it to lull newborns to sleep, apparently. But I struck gold, or at least crystalline bony thing. Tucked in the pages of one copy of The Dark Wheel, I found at a second-hand shop, I found a map, and I'm heading there, to the fringes of occupied space to see if I can find some of these things. No, I'm, I'm not going to tell you where, in case A, it's a hoax, and I look silly, and B, it's not a hoax and everyone else gets there first and spoils the surprise. Okay, I've landed. I'm following the big X drawn on the map. I've headed to a nearby cavern to start my search. My trusty Galnet Rare's assistant is carrying my pack, and his? He's a good chap. Can't remember his name, um, but I'm going to call him Steve. Steve and I spent no little time marvelling at the planet. It has near-permanent auroras in the sky. Local solar flares constantly bombard the atmosphere, albeit gently. And the planet's strong magnetic field keeps the danger at bay and gives us the most astonishing light show. Sometimes even bright enough to see in the daytime. The world itself is packed with enormous caverns, echoey places, and when the winds blow around the, the world across the mouths of these caverns, weird moaning, howling, almost melodic sounds surround the area. It's, it's eerie, but beautiful. Scans show that the planet is rich in rare minerals. Very surprising that no one has been here and strip-mined the place, but I'm glad. I just... You'd have, to, you'd have to spoil all of this, if you did. Moving deeper into the cave, we search. Steve. Steve, point the light over here. Oh, wow, look at that. Okay, I found something crystalline, and it looks like a skeleton just lying there. It's a large hexapod, I think, or, or more accurately, a large quadrupedal hexapod. Uh, four seem to be legs, and the other two are wings? E either that or this creature had really big hands. Steve? Steve? O okay, I know you're not Steve. Whatever your name is, uh, turn the torch off. Yes, I'm sure. Oh, it's, it's glowing. And I, I can hear something, indistinct, almost at the edge of my audible range, but... Yes, it's It's singing. This is wonderful. We found one. Um, it appears to be resonating with the, the noises of the cavern. Steve. Steve. A Alan. Roger. Whatever. Give me a tuning fork. Okay. I'm, I'm tapping it with this tuning fork. It's lit up like a kaleidoscope and the sound is getting louder. What's that? You, you brought some other instruments? It, sure, give it a try. Uh, Steve, 
Why are you dressed like that? You're a one-man band. Uh, okay. I I've not got an audio recording from the outside of, of my suit of this, but Steve's broken out into a one-man harmonica drum and cymbal solo, and he's attempting to serenade the crystal fossil with Stairway to Heaven. Stop! Quick! The noise is going to bring the ceiling down! Oh! It's okay. I've grabbed one of the largest bones, and we'll investigate it back at the ship. Steve? Uh... Oh, oh dear. Oh, there's this harmonica next to that large boulder. I, I, I did wonder what that squishy noise was. Ugh. Back at the ship, and I've notified the insurance company about Steve. It's it's okay. Apparently, he's got a, a backup clone somewhere. Best bit is, he won't remember a thing. Right. Okay, Mooncake. Will you leave that big singing crystal bone alone, please? No, no, do not knock it to the floor. Bad kitty. Oh, okay, it's okay, it's not broken. That's odd. The mooncake appears to be purring a lot. And the Daronothaxorian crystal is purring back. Mooncake, that's, that's millions of years old, leave it be. Oh, she's cuddling up to it and purring. <laughs> Uh, it's okay, she won't smash it. I, I hope. Mooncake, get away from it. It appears to be hatching. There are around eight, let me count. Yes, eight little crystal dragons, for want of a better word. Mooncake, look out, they're heading for you. They're attracted to your purring. I've grabbed Mooncake and I'm waving her around to see if they follow. And they are! Oh, wow. Eight of them. Okay. Sorry. Every noise and they harmonize and get louder. It's okay. I, I think I've got an anechoic box here somewhere. Oh, come on, little crystal thingies. Into the box. I know, Mooncake. Just sit on the floor and purr. That seems to keep them quiet. Um... This is Amelia Hawke reporting for the Galnet Rares Digest, and I've just seen a four million year old crystal skeleton give birth, and all its babies adopt my cat. And uh, now I've got to find a scientist, uh, or, or, or a zoo, or, or somewhere really, really quiet. So you don't have to. Wow, four million year old species, and you've seen the first ones in live ones in well, potentially ever. You know, I know, right? That's cool. I mean, That's okay, moon, Mooncake, you know, may have tried smashing them and things, but you know, Mooncake tries to smash a lot of things. <laughs> yes. Oh dear. But I mean, the purring seems to. I mean, they they do they do purr back, but unlike the shouting and the whatever else and the one man band. I don't know what was Steve thinking, Steve or whatever. I don't know. Like. It just, uh, just Alan, Steve, you know, Roger, Roger yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> you don't seem too too upset by the fact that he's sort of a squishy mess under that boulder now. But uh, well, you uh, get used to it after a while, you know. <laughs> <laughs> how many years were you doing this, and how many anonymous Steves have you crushed, squished, disemboweled, and exactly? <laughs> At least it wasn't you. Exactly. I, I totally agree. Yeah, it's, um, but no. For, for, I mean, for anybody who wanted, there's a whole pile of things in the dark wheel, and I'm surprised no one's noticed them. They concentrate on the the story and the Tiernisley graveyard and the Iron House, and you know what I mean. All the the dark wheel stories, and they miss these little nuggets. If you have a good read of it, you'll find them. Mm. Lots of rare yes. things that we've not seen since that book was published. You may have mentioned a few of them earlier. Yes. Including the illegal one. Oh, yes. We the, definitely, um... We're definitely not going to send you to go and look at the illegal one, are we? No, <laughs> nudge, nudge. The, the Shanna Skilk. The Shanna Skilk first. This is the, yes. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're <clears> definitely, that's the illegal ones. Yeah, very, very but illegal there's a, ones. Yeah. There's also the... Um, the gold flake scales of geratine reptiles. Yeah. Um, well, there's, there's a whole the segment in mine there. Silk. Yeah, about a, a planet whose diet changed completely overnight and they became allergic to everything. Uh, but, I mean, that, that does sound very Amelia-like. Oh, I'll bring you this food. Oh, damn, it's killed half of you. Why is your head swelling up like that? Oh, I'm so sorry. It's gone purple. Look, here's some cream. I'll bring you something else. I, I, mean, think, ne I think next time I'll take the apology officer because, you know... <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All the apologies I should really be making. Well, the apologies to the insurance company for the sheer cost of replacement Steve's. So exactly. next week we'll have Steve 2. Wait, I don't think he's Steve 2. He might be Steve 12. That's, oh, I thought it was just for cannon fodder. That's nice to know. Was he wearing a red shirt? No, but it was afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if you're Scottish, you can wear a red shirt and survive. Mm. Yes, because it's Scotty. Because Scotty, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, then he'd have to be Mook Steve or something. Yes. Or Alan. Uh, Steve Mook 11. <laughs> anyway, well, look, thank you very much for yet again exploring the galaxy for rare things we haven't heard about in a long time. That's okay. We've got I'm just few... glad I got through it. I almost <laughs> lost my voice halfway through. Yeah, we we, we did. Oh, we and then Mooncake Moon trampled. Yeah, yeah. Mooncake had. Kidnapped the cable. Yeah. Yes, Mooncake had. So that that was that was a thing, and then then my voice broke halfway through. <laughs> what is the sheer terror at seeing crystal crystalline <laughs> dragon-like entities in a cave that's going woo at you? You know, it's mm -hmm. that's going to give you the willies. That is. Yep. Right. Well, I need to find out who is going to be back next week. I mm, now hang on a second. What? Where's the date next week? There's the tip, 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 tip there. Uh, I. Probably won't be. In that case, either me. Or I'm Litho looking Breaker at. I'm looking at Litho Breaker. Stuff. Wiggly eyebrows about re-engineering his decks. Are you around? I. Next week? I think I probably am. So um, yeah. I should be able to write um, the the news for the day, but um, I'm actually prepping to the. To, to head up to the wilds of the north to go and see uh, Rampage and the Hanky for Hanky's birthday. Yeah. And given yeah, it's well, an awful long way, I'm probably <laughs> travelling up on the... Th well, maybe the Thursday night, sort of late-ish, up to dear old mum's house um, to, to, to stop halfway. So um, count on me not being here to boop the boop Yeah, but I, I, I disappear that weekend. So, uh, yeah, I'm not able to make his party, sadly. But, uh, yeah, I should be here for the Thursday. 
Fantastic. So, well, if you if you need, well, I would maybe just in case prep whatever you can if you have time on the decks, re-engineer mm-hmm. them. If you want me to export yes. my settings, then then do ask. So yes, uh, please do. Yes. Just to answer Volcarius's question, how does the green room work on a leap year show? The green room is the last weekend of the month, regardless of the year. Last Thursday. Yeah. Have you heard of Brigadoon? Sorry, yeah, last Thursday of the month. What did yeah, I say? It only appears. It only oh. appears once every hundred years on the twenty ninth of February. <clears throat> yeah, the, the the problem with the green room is if if it lands on the twenty ninth of February, then anybody that's in it at the end of the show may be stuck there for four years. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it could be worse. You could be stuck doing the radio show for ten or nine and a bit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> oh, oh no, no, I enjoy doing this. This is this is a this is a nice piece of escapism once a week. I, I, I do enjoy. See the less of community service. Yes. <laughs> I think I'm halfway there, aren't I? <laughs> Oh, I, I think I dug out your first show the other day when I was transcribing or uh, moving all the scripts over to the new service, yeah. I'm not sure. I think I came in not long after you. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Okay, well, so you're around, and um, how about Chicks? Are you in Are you in West Britain or in that bit of Britain? Or... Oh, no, we've lost Chicks. We no, are. Mira, oh, he was <laughs> crashing into a planet. It says, delivered gin to Lichtenberg plant... In Dian Kecht. Kecht. Well, I'll tell Is you what. Just, on, or Geld? Geld. Just, um, just hold that thought. I'm holding it hard. It's turning purple. Oh, dear. It's turning purple. There you I'm, go. I'm not, I'm not going to comment on that. What's yeah. the difference between blue and purple? Grip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's two more. Oh, there's two more. I'm going to say, so you've gone to Charitou Mining Territory in Dian Gecht. It sounds like Klingon. Right. If, if, if this is going to turn then into Deliveries Live, can we do Deliveries the Live? Show yeah, so we need yeah. to. We need to. Avark, avark, yep. Right. What was the um, question what, again? Am I here next week? Yes. Yes, you I'm, are. Fantastic. I'm well, you, you, lot can, you lot can hold the fort. And, um, and, and it's I'm not the one with. The, blue. I'm not going to miss the one with the the frontier content, which is fantastic. So, in the meantime, are we going to be quite? Have you settled Mooncake with all of that talking? Well, Amelia? well, considering my voice is is kind of messed up. Oh dear. <laughs> I would say it's a, a standard one. A standard yeah. shouting one. Well, we have <laughs> got the klaxon back. Okay, for the benefit of our uh, first time listeners. And and others, and I, I'm I'm looking at somebody we may have raided, someone we may have raided last week, who's turned up in <laughs> chat saying meep, Mr. J. Darlington. Um, consider this a fair warning. At the end of the show, Amelia is often encouraged to yell a certain catchphrase as loudly as she possibly can, which means if you've got earphones in, if you've got your speakers turned up really loud, you're about to get really heavily startled. But shortly after that, we go into the Hutton theme tune. And after that, we're going to go and sneak up on somebody and go raid them. So we would appreciate you hanging around a little bit so we can raid and go and say for the mug to somebody. Before we do that bit, then, do we know who we're going to raid this week? Uh, let's Star-goid have a look. The Stargoids alive. Oh, the scribbling senator. Oh, no. No. He always finishes about oh, no. anyway. Didn't he leave Elite? Yeah, he's supposed he to be repeatedly. gone. At least three times. Oh, there's a hand save 42. With eight viewers. 
Who's got that? Hansei 42. Oh, Commander Emulated Penguin. Ooh, we, we oh, have, we, yeah. We've raided the Emulated Penguin <laughs> once or twice before. They've got they've got, they've got, got quite a few viewers already. Let's have a look. Uh, Commander BK Rambo. What? BK Rambo. BK Rambo. Hunting Fed Commanders. No, that's PvP. No, we, we're not... We're not uh, dropping in on um, there's more PvP down there. We don't want to do that. No, that's not our thing. There's some, there's some French ones. Um, Jack I, I, Little. Will the Is Jack Little? Live? Oh no 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 no! They're not playing Elite Dangerous. Don't worry. Lieutenant oh, Psych. Uh, LT Psych just guiding. Or oh, so it's emulated penguin or the LT Psych. What do we think? I would say emulated penguin because that's just an awesome name. Commander underscore emulated penguin. Right. Well, I will queue that one up. Now we've given people enough time. Uh, LT Psych is in German. There's nothing wrong with German. At least Tharg won't understand it. He's not been learning German. Um, I'm on. Oh. I'm on my own. If you need me to shout. <laughs> uh, hang on a second. Emulated. I'm just typing it in. <clears throat> is CMDR underscore emulated penguin? That, that's all typed in. Right. You've been warned, everybody. Move your earphones away. Can somebody klaxon for us first? Anybody? No, nope. no, because none of our buttons work. <laughs> oh right. Well, uh, I haven't got a klaxon. Aruga. I've got. Aruga. I've got the bomb. Aruga. For the mug. 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 Never really mattered at all We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today Super cruising all across the Milky Way We'll take anything, anytime, anywhere Loading up the T-Nines to the brim with grass For the mug, for the mug Yeah, you know just where we're coming from For the mug, for the mug Now everybody sing the hot trucker song Into the sun, Swibble likes the pilot on the Xbox One. Alvin at the front, you know he leads us well. Trucking across the galaxy, now everybody else. For the back, for the back. Yeah, you know just where we're coming from. For the back, for the back. Now everybody sing the Hutton Trucker song. Pop quiz! Who trained Antarius Fusion's mythical quasi-linear uh, magical hamsters? Question 2. What does chicks do, really? Question 3. If train A leaves the station going 60 miles an hour and train B leaves one hour later going 85 miles per hour, how long will it take for your synapses to implode? The views of Jeff the Aardvark are often confused with the views of Jeff the Aardvark. Jeff is willing to clarify that Jeff is a fictional character and that their views and opinions should not be confused with those of Jeff, who is obviously real. Anyway, the views of Jeff the Aardvark, not Jeff the Aardvark, whose views are covered elsewhere, 
are solely his own and do not represent Hutton Orbital, the station owners or any of the radio presenters. We, and Jeff, hope this clears things up. Soundtrack available by pirating only. See 90 cassettes available from our stall on the parade. One aardvark was harmed in the making of this show. In spite of our best efforts, somebody apparently left a McFarlane's burger on the ground while we were editing the script, and Jeff's sister Beth mistook it for an ant. She is currently in medical, where Nurse Wyatt is pumping out her stomach, and she is expected to make a full recovery. Commander Volcarius, your Merkin is ready for collection at Eddie Lee Wise and Sons, plus his daughters. And I'm reading the last one. Okay, we're done now. Bye bye. For the mug. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the show. Everyone's buggered off now, so why don't you buggle off too?